Welcome to the 18th episode of Meanwhile. Michael M. and I recently had a conversation that left Michael M. with a weird aftertaste. So we decided to revisit that conversation and have a more general check-in on our relationship in this episode. In doing so, we had some interesting exchanges about money, appreciation, what we choose to measure, and what kind of things make us revert to a socialized mindset. And we also talk about how we want our relationship and collaboration to be going forward. It took some vulnerability and a pinch of openness to get there, but we end up having a fruitful conversation together and are excited to invite you all in to listen along with us. Let's get started. Hello, world, and hello, Michael T. over on the West Coast there. Greetings, bud. Uh, it's Michael Melcher here, uh, currently in the Pioneer Valley of Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts. And today on Meanwhile, we are going to take a sharp left turn toward the unknown. And, the do, <laughs> and do something. We're going into the <laughs> abyss. Uh, we're going to do, and as Nietzsche said, Something, something, look into the, looking into the abyss and not blinking. Something, something. <laughs> it's a staring uh, contest is what you're yes. saying. So yes. we're going to start with something different. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> all this podcast has been going on. Michael, T, and I have our own relationship, which has developed over the years. And we have offline conversations that you guys don't hear, which is sometimes um, feature conflict and occasional meltdowns. And a few episodes ago... Uh, we were coming off a separate conversation we had where uh, Michael T was consulting me, Michael M, on some business matters related to the expansion of his uh, business on the West Coast. And after that conversation, which, as I understand it to his ears, seemed sort of normal, I had kind of like a super meltdown on my own um, and became very upset um, without quite being able to put a finger on it, even to the point where I thought, maybe I won't do this podcast anymore. As you can tell, we overcame that, but we thought that one thing we could do is to um, have that conversation about what happened live in front of all of you, because it's a real thing for us, and in some ways it's about the larger topic of how you talk about what's going on in a relationship and how you check into it. And it also relates to tons of the various topics that we have been covering over the past episodes. That's our plan. Yeah. I'm a little scared. Excited, scared. <laughs> a really good chance for folks to hear how the uh, sausage is made, so to speak. You, I and thought you said you were going to say bed is made. <laughs> the bed is That's, made. I'm a little tired I'm, today. Yeah, well, so the other thing, <laughs> listeners, is that we did a little check-in earlier and we decided we were both extremely exhausted for different sorts of reasons, but we're going to not only plow forward, we're going to go in deep and do something that is kind of hard and scary for us and a big yeah. experiment. Yeah. So I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm getting my staring contest eyes ready, uh, Michael Melcher. And I, I must say, even in your recounting of the story, that was the first time I had heard that one of the thoughts that went through your mind was, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to continue this podcast. Uh, I hadn't heard that from you before. And so, uh, Let's let's get real, man, and revisit that moment in time and check in on on the good, bad, and ugly in our relationship. Yeah, I have a big, strange smile on my face, um, which <laughs> makes me feel that I'm feeling very anxious and vulnerable. But I'm going to go ahead. All right, let me recap our thing. Yeah, what happened? 
So Michael T. Um, is doing some expansion of his business with his colleague, Anna Maria. And he has been talking to various known entities in the field, such as myself, about um, things to know about and things to do and what we learned, et cetera, et cetera. So we had this separate conversation and I downloaded all this all these thoughts and opinions and ideas and blah, blah, blah. And he was very appreciative and nice. It was kind of a very practical conversation. Many a notes were taken. Yep. Yes. And um, the other thing is that a couple of years ago, Michael T actually hired me, Michael M, to be his kind of coach, mentor, slash business coach mm-hmm. um, for a decent chunk of change to help him develop from a business point of view, which we did and was, mm-hmm. I think, very satisfying. So at some point in this conversation, I decided, huh, I'm kind of curious how Michael T is doing. I mean, he seems to be doing pretty well, but I don't really know. So I asked him, well, how much have you made this year? Or how much did you make last year? Mm-hmm. I was curious whether he'd answer me. I thought he probably would. And so he did. And the number he stated was 80% of what I made last year. And I've been coaching for 15 years. You've been coaching for what, five years? Yeah, five and a half. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I started coaching in 2002 when I think you were in junior high school, right? <laughs> yep. And, and further, I happen to know that he has a much more favorable cost structure than I do. So, you know, his profit was probably looking pretty great too. Mm. And I was just really surprised at this. And uh, I was surprised at how I felt. I wasn't proud of it. Um, Mm. It was almost like, hmm, I want you to be successful, but I don't want you to be that successful. successful, Tied with a sort of recognition that, oh, I think I had a role in that success and does he recognize that and mm. blah 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 so anyway the whole thing felt kind of yucky and we're not going to give we're normally very open we won't give very specific details i will say i thought he was kind of getting into six figures and discovered he was well into six figures billions yeah yes yeah <laughs> so that's where we started with so you were going through all this unbeknownst to me and it wasn't until our next podcast call podcast recording that we did our usual check-in and you sort of filled me in on everything that had happened after we got off the previous call. And it was surprising to me, uh, but also appreciated you laying it out there. We had a, a chance to start having the beginnings of that conversation, but haven't fully explored it yet. And as you said, as you reflect back on that moment, it points to a lot of things, a lot of the topics we've touched on in this podcast so far. It also is real for you and me in our relationship and how it's evolved over time. So let's start threading some of that together. Like as you think back on it now, what stands out? Well, first I I felt embarrassed by my reaction. I don't think I'm a very money-oriented person. I'm somewhat money-oriented, but on my list of core values, uh, I don't think I would put that in the top five. Mm. So to get to this point of comparison, um, felt a little bit embarrassed. But then I think I felt another kind of embarrassment, like, well, yeah, how how come I'm not making way more? Like, what what's wrong with me? I've been doing this a long time. I am mm-hmm. consider myself really good. I, people consider me very business savvy in this field. People seek out my guidance about how to be an effective Including businessman. Including me, on, Including on multiple you. occasions. <laughs> and apparently yeah. it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Um, <laughs> so it then made me kind of question myself, like, am I actually that good at business? Yeah, so those were not positive things. Um, well, one, one thing that jumped out to me when you were 
recounting the story and that touches on a on a sensitive point for me that I just want to clarify now is uh you know you realizing as I said the number I said that uh you had a hand in that and sort of a question as you were in your reeling moment like do I do I acknowledge that and do I see that and uh if I didn't make it clear uh in that previous conversation or if I hadn't made it if I haven't made it clear enough over the last couple of years that we've known each other and you've helped me in numerous ways on that front I also appreciate it and I so much of my ability to grow this thing and raise my rates and push forward has been due to our work as when you were my coach and as your coachee and as we've sort of gone through that transition into more of a friendship and colleagueship afterwards i've really really benefited from from our work and your advice and your pushes on those fronts and uh i just want that to be out there in big bold bright <laughs> neon letters my man like well i appreciate that that's very kind. I kind of accept that that's how you see it too. Yeah. And at the same time, I feel, I don't know, I feel still sort of tawdry even thinking that I would need that kind of recognition. Mm. It seems very petty to me. Mm. And maybe because part of coaching is feeling that there should be an altruistic element, like that my goal is to help my clients be successful as they want, not to try to have some of that success for myself or even for them to say, oh, it was so amazing, it was life-changing. And even as I say that, I have to say I'm very schizophrenic about it because I do love getting that kind of feedback. Yeah. It's it's great and it's part of it. But in some sense, you can't be a good coach if you are constantly tracking how much your clients like you or are getting out of it because that's interfering with their process. So yeah. I feel that the more I focus on those types of acknowledgements, the less I'm actually being really good at um, coaching. But I, I do think there's another thing showing up here, which is about like relative contributions to what we're we're doing. So we did this as an experiment. We had no idea how it would go. The podcast and listeners, I think we may have mentioned before that I suggested we do the first eight episodes without telling anybody what we were doing because I wanted to play in the sandbox. Um, there's this idea of experimentation as it relates to careers and anything else that comes from a book called Working Identity by a woman named Erminia Ibarra, which is one of the go-to books on this kind of stuff. And she talks about how you really only learn things through experimentation. So I kind of knew that we would just have to play around and see what would happen. And I didn't want the pressure of checking in how much people like things. And it, it worked. It was a brilliant experiment because we were able to just do our thing and not have to worry about marketing or all that. And then it turns out we actually had something which has been very exciting and, and fulfilling. But, you know, since we are business people up front, we had this conversation like, okay, what, sh what are we trying to accomplish here? What should our roles be? Um, what would success be? And I added, how do we own this? What intellectual property rights are there if this turns into be a big hit? And I very much had the idea that it was kind of my idea and that I was more experienced and that we'd be a good team, but I don't think I wanted it to be 50-50. And when we had this conversation, you didn't want to come to that kind of agreement of, of any type of ownership because I think you said we just didn't know what it was going to be. Is that fair? Do you remember those conversations? I can see myself saying that. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't have detailed notes, but I, I remember saying, let's wait and see what the sandbox generates. Yeah, and so I think when this topic of money and earning came up, I had this sort of weird 
scarcity feeling that, hey, I, you know, I didn't hold my line in the sand and, you know, I'm not, uh, somehow my value is not really being reflected here or I'm kind of giving up too much or I'm not getting proper credit or all that. Even things that I say them, it sounds very ugly. It's very not how I like to think of myself. And at the same time, um, you know, I do think I bring a lot to the table. Okay, you, you talk for a while. I'm feeling very exhausted yeah. by this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you absolutely bring a lot to the table. And it makes sense to me that in that moment, it's what, what what's clear to me is that when we you asked the question and I stated a number, all of a sudden, you know, a quantifiable comparable entered the discussion that typically isn't there in quite that stark of a way, right? We can, you know, your hill of beans next to mine and measurement and being able to just sort of instantaneously not only have a form of comparison, but also on a topic or in a category, in this case being money, that has a lot of other meaning that we ascribe to it consciously and subconsciously. Well, there's a there's a saying that what gets measured gets valued. Right. So if you start putting a measurement around something like money, then it's easy for that to be the value of what we're doing. Well, and the sneaky thing about money is it's intrinsically measurable, and it's right because it's it's quantifiable, right? And so, in in the dilemma that we see playing out in this situation, I see it played out in society all the time, is that because it's so instantaneously measurable, it it gets overvalued. Um, sure. And we have these emotional reactions to it that aren't just, hey, is Michael T taking home more profit than Michael M? But it's symbolic of, uh, you know, are we bringing equal contribution? Are we both being recognized for that contribution? It's, uh, you know, this idea of, oh, I feel petty, and but I also feel insecure. And I'm like, maybe I feel fraudulent. Maybe I'm not as good at business as I think I am. It has all these layers to it. Well, if you're measuring the wrong thing, you're going to end up in trouble. So I was a corporate lawyer for a while. And as I think everybody knows, lawyers do this weird hourly billing system where you have to chronicle your time every single day up to the 10th of the hour. So six minute increments. And you have to, in most firms, get a certain number of hours per year. And I'll tell you one thing that being at work for eight hours doesn't mean you'll bill eight hours. It's more like being at work for 11 hours means you might bill eight hours. And it is a soul-killing measurement system because it's sort of ridiculous to think that the time I might spend um, sending a document for photocopying is worth the same time that I spend getting some great insight to a case or how to fix a corporate transaction. Yeah. Um, and this is one reason why I think many lawyers are unhappy because they go through lives, their lives being measured by this grotesque system that is not just inhumane it's also not particularly business-like so again the point is that if you are focusing on the wrong measurement then it's easy to get upset about it and that that would lead us to think okay what would be the right way to measure our what we're doing here totally totally so what would be the right way for us to measure it senor milcher very interesting um well I'm going to answer a different question, <laughs> which is... Select choice B, my friend. <laughs> which is, what's the difference between a scarcity mentality and a prosperity mentality? So mm. a scarcity... So it's not like this exchange pushed you into a scarcity mentality. Yeah, so scarcity mentality is where there's not enough. If I get something, you don't. If you get something, I don't. So I got to focus on getting mine. 
And a prosperity mentality is there's enough for everybody. Let's figure out how that works. And I was recently explaining to my kid's Montessori teacher that my toddlers are 100% about scarcity. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's all scarcity. <laughs> don't you, take my toy. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you have something, I don't have it. Right. Uh, if I have it, I don't care whether you don't have it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in this case, uh, I think I would ask, well, what would success look like for me? So, success for me in this podcast would be one, I did this thing that I thought about for a long time. You know, I created, co created these podcasts, two, um, that I just been good. Like, they're pretty great, I think, and very layered, much more layered than I would have anticipated. And, you know, Three, can I, am I being myself? Am I being like a true version of myself as opposed to kind of a you know less interesting version? I would say, yeah, those are all good. Um, four, does this, does this support my ongoing creative expression, which is important to me? Um, and definitely yes. And in that regard, everything that you've done has been a super additive thing for me. You know, I'm, I get farther because I'm doing this with you. Like I mm-hmm. wouldn't be better off if it was all by myself, not not in any way. And then I suppose I could even look at how does this carry my career forward in different ways, whether it's money or opportunities or um, something more in the media, radio, television, podcast space. So I think those are all legitimate ways of, of measuring. Yeah. Well, I want to join you on a couple of those in particular. And, and you know, the pushes we've been able to give one another towards bringing our fuller selves to this and sharing not only our our insights and our wisdom, but also our insecurities and our uncertainties and trying to be as fully human as possible has been a really um, meaningful journey for me. And, you know, you talked about this going further because I've been here than it would if you were by yourself. <clears throat> Anna Maria, who you referenced uh, at the beginning, she and I talk a lot about, are we partnering with people who make us better? And... Because uh, there's a lot of folks, obviously, we could choose to spend our time with. This sort of reminded me a little bit of our A's and B's episodes. So not only the A type people who give us energy, but also those partners who make us better. We have a better product, a better offering, a better insight as the result of having them involved. And that feels, uh, seems so true to me as the result of getting to do this with you. I'm also just happy to hear that you know, maybe this maybe this pod is the launch of your the next phase of your creative career. Michael Melcher, radio host extraordinaire. Who knows what comes? One of the things you mentioned in your your description there of the scarcity mindset versus a more of a prosper prosperity or abundance mindset is and I realize given this triggering event that we had, is I think it's really hard to talk about money with friends, with colleagues, uh, without slipping in some way into more of a scarcity mindset place. It's not impossible, but I just think it's hard um, because, again, of its money is symbolic of a lot of things, usually having to do with security and maybe worth or worthiness. Um, and it's so inherently countable. And, um, you know, it just, it makes me think about that as a thread for another podcast, maybe on another time. But like the idea when we start talking numbers, we start talking money, do we inherently get a little bit more looking at the border around our stack and looking across at other people's and and move into more scarcity as opposed to abundance? Well, the other thing about money is that it's the one area where 
you will get total validation for being dishonest about your real feelings about it. So in general, in our society, if you say, mm. I need more money, nobody will disagree with you. And if you say, I can't afford it, right. nobody will disagree with you. It's sort of a taboo type of thing. Um, I have learned from my experience, though, that many times these statements, I, I wouldn't take them at face value anymore. And honestly, it comes from um, having clients both seeing how they look at money, but also the process of marketing yourself where you have to ask for money for certain things. And kind of, you know, in, in coaching, there, there are a lot of reasons you might want to do coaching and there are a lot of reasons why you might not want to do it. If you just say, I can't afford it, most people will not sure. really dig into your reasons. So it can be a good mask for a lot of other things that are going on. So even as I say this, you know, I do have some career envy issues <laughs> as we discussed in a very early podcast. As have been documented. See episode two. It is, it's probably my nature to compare myself to other people. Uh, and the places I happen to get my education and training and urge or early job experiences include a lot of people who now make tremendous amounts of money. So I'm constantly running into them. And most of the time I'm pretty clear about what I'm doing and why I like it and what the benefits are of my work along with the costs. But, you know, occasionally it will, you know, come up in that way. But I actually think that in our conversation, the reason I was triggered, it was a deeper question of, is my value really seen? And not just by you, but by myself, or to put it another way, am mm. I selling myself short? Am I just telling myself, you know what, it's easier not to get into this, so let's just essentially act as if we're 50-50 and kind of equal parties in this. And I think I've had this in other relationships, in business relationships, um, in personal relationships. Um, do I, am I really honest about what I'm bringing to the relationship and what I'm getting? And I think on some level, I have in the past kind of downplayed my own abilities or contributions to maintain harmony. And I think I've been left with a kind of longstanding resentment of some type regarding that. So take that mm -hmm. on, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, well. Do with that what you will. <laughs> there, are, there are links to a lot of our recent podcast conversations, you know, thinking about uh, what do I do? How do I put my needs or my wants aside to maintain a sense of harmony, right? Back to our most recent episode on pushy versus pushover. Uh, there's something in there. Uh, the other piece of just can I recognize and value my partner's contributions or my own and the, the power of appreciation and how we often overlook that. You know, even when I expressed a little bit to you earlier in our conversation, you know, you realize that the hazard and overvaluing that. And yet it's, it's so helpful to hear. And, and I think it's something we tend to overlook. And I certainly, uh, may have overlooked a little bit in in our relationship, or at least as it pertains to valuing your contribution. So I just I'm but I, I'm hearing those. Threads. I have to say though that that makes you wonder: um, Do I have the capacity to hear appreciation? Mm. Um, I actually think a lot of people are in this boat. Like, can we? I, I remember reading a novel once, and it talked about a character who would hear compliments and then treat them like jewels that she could put into a little box and go look at later by herself mm. and i think cool. i'm a little bit like that i feel like i have a little bit of a stage face on saying thank you so much that's really wonderful and it's later that i will kind of look at them and re-experience them so that mm. you know that's something um kind of weird yeah yeah um okay here's another another idea this person 
Bob Keegan, who we referred to before, who teaches at Harvard and does this immunity to change program that Michael T is going through. Uh, one of his big contributions to the field of adult development is something called, I think, stages of development. And mm-hmm. basically, one stage is called a socialized mind. The next is called a self-authoring mind. And then the ultimate nirvana stage is self-transforming mind. I think there's one that comes before socialized, which is when you're really kind of a mess. But a socialized mind is where you are responding to what other people want. You are doing what they think is important or impressive. You are valuing what's told to you, and you're trying to fit in fundamentally. And self-authoring is where you look more inside and decide what's important to you, what it is you really want, what you're going for, maybe how you're going to measure that. And I believe the self-transforming mind is where you can take responsibility for your own transformation and change, which often involves somehow unlearning how you've been acting before and then learning something new. It's harder than it sounds, I think. Is that Does that uh, jibe with your recollection of these? <laughs> yeah, with my, with my emerging understanding, yeah. He says something like less than 2% of the population is in self-transforming. Damn it, I want to be part of that 2%. Uh. So, but anyway... <laughs> The point is, is that when I was having this conversation with Miguel before, I think at the moment being triggered, I was just right back into that socialized mind. So however, I think I know myself, it didn't take much to suddenly compare myself by a common, let's say, bullshit metric and make that mm-hmm. the defining thing as opposed to trying to stay in the self-authoring mind and thinking about, okay, well, who am I? Um, what's important to me? And then you know, maybe part of the self transforming journey is to think about, all right, well, what does this teach me? What have I learned about myself? Um, what mistakes have mm-hmm. I made? What would I, you know, what is Michael Terrell doing really well in his first five years that I did not do in my first five years? Mm. Um, and use that as an opportunity for learning. And this also goes along one of the topics we have probably mentioned before, which is um, what's called a growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So a fixed mindset is where we think we are who we are and our successes or failures are a reflection of who we are. Whereas the growth mindset is where, okay, we are who we are, but we kind of value more what we're going to learn from a particular situation or experience, whether good or bad, and and use that as a basis for constant improvement rather than just trying to be you know, amazing all the time. And a different way of looking at it mm. is they sometimes call it performance mindset versus learning mindset. So when you have a performance mindset, you're just giving yourself a grade. Okay, did I do great? Did I earn enough? Did I get the A? Was I the best one? What have you? And it's very limiting because it's all historical. Whereas a learning mindset is like, okay, when I sold at Carnegie Hall, I kind of messed up on the introduction to the third fugue. Uh, okay, how do I how do I get around that the next time? Um, how do I continue yeah. being a great musician as opposed to obsessing that I flubbed that Carnegie Hall performance. Right, right. Well, the, the questions you're just asking yourself are compelling to me. Like, what are what are the takeaways? What are we learning about ourselves? And, you know, for you and me in our relationship, what are we learning about our relationship that we want to keep in mind going forward? So maybe we could just riff on those questions. Like, what are you, having gone through this and having had a chance to talk about it and connect some dots, like, what do you want to make sure you learn uh, about you, Michael? And I can sort of answer the same. Why don't you go first? Okay. I think, I think what I want to keep in mind is to uh, not take the positive stuff for granted. Uh, you know, this is stuff that I know cognitively and I practice decently well in certain parts of my life, but I think uh, I don't always 
vocalize as much as I should. And I want to just keep in mind to when I when I feel a sense of positivity and affection for you and appreciation for what we're co-creating and co-discovering as we go, uh, to just make sure I continue to name that. You know, one of the things that you did a few weeks ago, I've got it saved on my phone, is you called me like one Friday night. It was probably like 10 p.m. New York time. And you left me this, you know, one like a minute long message where you were just pumped. You were just pumped about the podcast. You were riffing on just how fucking awesome it is and how much you enjoy it and how energized you are by it. And, you know, I just that energy, which I know I feel intermittently as we do this, I want to bring a little bit more of that, uh, not only for uh, my sake, because I think it's really healthy for me to be in touch with it and get out there, but also it clearly makes a difference. I know that. And I want to just be more intentional about that going forward. I think that's the big thing that's echoing in my brain. Okay. So I would say the two things I learned are one, um, these kinds of processing conversations are good for us to have because, you know, it's like the hair club for men. I'm not just a president. I'm also a member. Like these are, mm. <laughs> we get value mm -hmm. from them. Um, and I think we feel pretty skilled at this kind of thing. It doesn't mean it's not hard. And there's always a little bit of a pause, like, hmm, do I really want to go into that? Cause it's going to take time and could be emotional, or whatever. But I think we grow from it and get places and, I feel like I'm thinking about the interaction in a really different way than I did before. But the second thing, it goes along with what you just said, like, I don't want to think about this podcast as just an ordinary thing that we're doing as like another transaction, as like a workshop that we're leading together or as a piece of business or another conversation, even though it could be all those things are not bad. I think it's a really unique, special, almost God-given type of opportunity to um, be creative together and to create something and just see where it goes um it's turned into a much different and more beautiful type of thing than i would have thought and i feel slightly self-conscious that our millions of listeners will hear me describe it that way but i actually do believe that and i think we can be good partners in validating that and bringing it out and and leaping without a net as we kind of did today you know it's a, it's like the baby we had together and <laughs> the thing <laughs> when yeah. you have a baby you can obsess about trying to raise it correctly or you can just think like, oh my God, this magical baby creature is now mine to steward, you know, to, to take care of and to let it bloom into whatever it's going to bloom. And that's the important thing. Like, how do we continue to help it move forward and become more fun and interesting and explore different things as opposed yeah. to uh, whatever, you know, it started, whatever crazy business crap thoughts were in my head when we started. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, you're, you're analogizing it to a baby brings to mind one of my favorite TED Talks. It's by Brene Brown and it's called The Power of Vulnerability. And in it, she talks about how you know we shun vulnerability and we not only shun it for ourselves, but we shun it for our children. And so if I'm thinking about this as we're creating this third Michael Melcher kid, not, only, not just twins, triplets. triplets. And... And, you know, she says, our job, you know, as parents is not to just pursue perfection, say, oh, my God, look at this little baby. She's so perfect. My only job is to make sure she gets straight A's by age seven and gets into Yale at age 12. Uh, you know, it's instead to look at them and say, you know what? You are beautiful and you are imperfect and you are hardwired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. You are worthy of adding value. And... uh I just sort of like 
that's sort of a, a bit of the overarching vibe I'm, I'm riffing with right now on this idea that you and I don't always get it quote unquote perfect. We don't always say the thing that just lands with the other guy in just the right way. Um, but can we embrace that and find ways like we have today to just carve out time to talk about it and make that okay and to get curious about it um, as opposed to just, you know, throwing blame and fingers <laughs> and uh, shade at each other and shade, throwing um, shade. Well said. I concur entirely. Um, let's have homework for our listeners. Here's try this at home. <laughs> try this at home. Dun, dun, dun. Well, my thought is to encourage our listeners to think about an important relationship in their life. It may be a colleague. It may be somebody in their personal life who there's maybe been a little disturbance in the force with. There's been a, a, an instance or a couple of instances recently where despite the ocean of goodwill you have with that person, maybe something's bothering you or didn't go the way you intended. And to find a way to set aside time to bring it up and say, could we get away from the, you know, the, the next thing on our to-do list or the, the next action item for a second and just check in on how our relationship's going? What are we really appreciating right now? And where have we noticed moments where we've had a negative reaction to something the other person's done and we've sort of shelved it? But by bringing it up, we can actually get to know each other a little bit better and be better together going forward. So that would be my push. I think that's great. And I, you described it the exact same way I would. Um, I would say it's an important relationship where there's something that is seemingly minor. Yeah. But some you've swallowed a comment. There's something that slightly bugged you. You're not sure if it's worth bringing up. You're not even sure if something's going on but it's like a little bit of a burr under your saddle. And to try to have that conversation, even say, this is kind of an experiment that the podcast Michael's told me yeah. to do. But I think it could be useful if we talk this through and see where we can get and then ask ourselves what we learned from this experience. I love it. All right. Whoa, sigh of relief. I'm going to have a big pile, I'm gonna have a big pile of <laughs> <laughs> self-soothing the next episode yeah emotion regulation go to abc <laughs> yeah uh, carb God. soothing has its place too all right great talking to you michael great talking to you too my friend have a great weekend